Good morning, church. There is a grace in the room for transformation. I don't know if you feel it like I do, but uh, the Lord is definitely in this place. Uh, I hope he's in your living room as well, those that are watching online. Who here is ready for breakthrough? You need some breakthrough in your life. Come on, if you're watching online, type breakthrough. I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. I believe that there is breakthrough to be had in the building today. I want to talk about um, emotions and this series that we're on, Mindset. We've been on for the past couple of weeks, and it's been good material, great great opportunities uh, to grow and to learn more and just to let the Holy Spirit step into our life. Uh, today, I am extremely excited about the content that I'm bringing to you, uh, especially after the worship that we just had and what the Holy Spirit has already done in the room. I just feel like he has made hearts ready to step into the next level of their emotional life. Amen. In March of 2016, a woman pulled into her favorite local coffee drive through just like she would any other day. And the man that was taking her money, the teenage boy that was taking her money, noticed that she was messed up and crying and distraught, and he recognized her. And he, he realized that the night before, her husband, who was in his 30s, had suddenly and unexpectedly passed away. Uh, this young man, working work the drive through of Dutch Brothers Coffee, asked if he could pray for her. And she said yes, and he leaned out the window, and two of his co-workers joined him, one of them not even a Christian. And the person in the car behind this woman snapped a photo, and it, became, it went viral, actually. I have the photo here this morning. This is the three boys leaning out the window of Dutch Brothers Coffee to pray for a woman who just lost her, brother, her husband uh, the night before. One of the, one of the guys who wasn't a Christian, said, um, whatever she wanted, I wanted to give it to her. If she wanted an apple and I didn't have an apple, I would have planted an apple tree and waited for the apple to grow. But she happened to want religion, so I offered prayer. Emotion is so powerful. When people are hurting, you can feel their pain. Oftentimes, even if you've never even walked in their shoes, when people are stressed out in the room, you can feel it in the room. Do you know what I mean? You ever go to work and your day is going perfectly fine until Josie shows up, <laughs> right? And then you're like, what's going on? She's like messing up the vibe of the workplace. Emotions are extremely powerful, but listen, emotions are a gift from God. They are such a gift in a world where reason is often valued more than emotion, we often overlook the power of emotion. Now, I am an Enneagram 4. If you happen to study that or you know anything about that, that means I am likely the most emotional number of all numbers on the Enneagram. Uh, my wife will often look at me and say, you're so dramatic. And I say, and? What's the problem? Uh, if you guys know my mom, you understand I come by it honestly, right? I'm, I'm very emotional, but emotions are a gift from God, and I want to talk about that today. I want to talk about how God 
gave us our emotions as a tool and a gift. But I also want to look at what happens when the wrong emotions become our default. I mean, you all seem happy today to be in the house of the Lord. I I can't see the ones watching on TV. Some of you may be just sitting there because your mom made you uh, today. I don't know what your emotions look like, but sometimes the wrong emotions can find themselves circling back in our life over and over and over, and we don't even know how we get there sometimes, right? So I want to talk about that today because I believe that many Christians are held hostage by emotional strongholds, anger, depression, discouragement, frustration, inferiority complexes, fear. The list goes on and on and on. They become paralyzed by their feelings. So I want to address that today and see what God has to say about emotional strongholds. Let us pray. Father, in Jesus' name. God, I just sense the tenderness of your spirit in the room. Not only to welcome people home as you did moments ago, but there are many of us in the room that have just partnered with a life less than you've intended for us. And you're ready to call us to a new level, a higher level in you. In Jesus' name I pray. Let the church say, amen, amen. Emotional strongholds. Now, the the world uses a different word, and I'll talk about that. I'm familiar with that world and that word. It's addiction. Look at your neighbor and say, addiction. All right, that's not a new word. You know what that word is. Um, Addiction is the world's way to describe something that you can't shake. Okay? That's easy enough of a definition. Some of you might be addicted to pie. Yeah? Some of you might be addicted to Netflix. Some of you might be addicted to nicotine. Some of you might be addicted to alcohol. Some of you might be addicted to pornography. Some of you might be addicted to sex. Some of you might be addicted to masturbation. Some of you might be addicted to... Did I say enough? Did I go too far? A little too... I'll back up a couple. There is addiction that is just crouching at our door, ready to captivate us each and every day. The world uses the word addiction. A stronghold, though, is something different, and that's what I want to address today as your pastor. I want us to understand the difference between a stronghold and an addiction. A stronghold assumes that there is a spiritual dimension that an addiction doesn't necessarily assume. Right? You sit down with your fifth bowl of ice cream. You don't assume that you have a spiritual problem. Most people don't. A- until you actually do the work and you understand addiction. And many of the programs that are out there, by the way, that are doing a, a fantastic job helping people in recovery. So this is not a sermon against recovery. I'm an advocate for recovery because there is a spiritual element to the world's problem. Uh, programs out there that we often don't see. But I'm only talking this morning to the people who feel like you might be addicted to something and you've not seen it as a spiritual problem. 
A stronghold assumes that there is a spiritual dimension. A, a stronghold assumes that there is something invisible behind the scenes that is impacting something visible on the scenes. That's what a stronghold is. A, a stronghold is something that affects our attitude and our actions that hold you hostage to that which is contrary to the will of God for your life. Should I say that again? A stronghold is something that affects your attitudes and your actions that hold you contrary, hostage to something contrary to the will of God for your life. You see, God never ordained you to wake up every morning depressed. God never ordained you to be afraid to leave your home and walk in fear. God never ordained you to feel trapped in situations like you can't get out. Are you, are you following me this morning? He never ordained you to live in fear about death or an illness or a virus or politics or the state of the world. That's not God's plan for you. But strongholds will keep you there. I love how Michaela, who didn't even know my sermon today, just kind of helped us all remember that Jesus is the center. Not all of these other things. And there are many things. If you want to get distracted in today's world, you have plenty of options. A stronghold is not just a bad day. Anyone ever had a bad day? Yeah. Good. I've had bad days. I allow myself to have bad days without calling it a stronghold. I want to make sure that we differentiate the two. Um, it's, a stronghold is not just a, a bad day. It is a cycle of repetitive thinking and behavior that leads you away from God's best for you. There's so much smoke in the room, you're going to have to say amen <laughs> so that I know there's a crowd listening. Let me make a quick clarification. Emotional strongholds, uh, when I speak about, about them today, I'm not referring to physical causes. If you are depressed because there is a chemical imbalance, that is a physical reality that needs a physical solution. Are you with me? You go to a physician because there is a, a problem in the physical framework of your body. I would never tell anyone not to go to a doctor, not to see a doctor when there's something physical going on. Now, saying that, we also believe at the Exchange Church that God can take care of that too. So it's not justification to hate my life, to hate my wife, hate my kids. Like there are solutions on the table. Either go to a physician, let's fix those hormones, let's get those chemicals balanced, let's get you some testosterone so you feel like a man again, whatever it is. Right? Go to the doctor, but no matter what the doctor says, we still serve a God who is able to bring healing to all of those things as well. But I'm not talking about physical causes of mental disturbances. So if you struggle with bipolarism, depression, clinical anxiety, the, the list goes on and on. You can go to the DSM manual and see what the mental health would classify it as. 
Uh, I'm not suggesting for one moment that you drop the, the course of recovery that you're currently in for healing. Uh, and I want to make sure and keep that separate from our conversation today. Is that all right? Do I have permission to speak freely without constantly saying, oh, but there's this other thing. If, it, if it's physical, take care of it. All right, you already know my heart on that. Can we just move forward now? Because I need to get tough on emotional strongholds for a moment. All right, there are three things that I want you to walk away from today understanding about emotional strongholds. The first thing is this. I want you to understand the causes of emotional strongholds. The causes. Now, it's funny that we have so much smoke in the room today because I brought a smoke detector. How many of you have smoke detectors in your house? If you're not raising your hand, you might should install some pretty quickly. I know, you didn't raise your hand because you didn't think I could see you through the smoke, but I'm seeing you now. The smoke detector in our house lets us know when there's a problem. Now, I have a two-story, so sometimes when the battery is low, you'll hear just a, a beep. And it takes a couple of hours for it to beep again, and so you have to run. Every time I'm anticipating when it's going to beep again, and so I run upstairs to see if I can hear the beep or not. Nope, that wasn't it. So I run down to my room, and I f anyone feel me on this? You're like chasing the beep, and it never happens when you're standing there, right when you walk away, and you're like, oh, forget it, forget it. I'm just, oh, wait. And you try to listen. Well, I've found the solution. If you just remove all the batteries, <laughs> the beep goes away. Now, I don't recommend that if you want to have a house uh, that is safe. You need to have a smoke detector. A smoke detector in, in the house will tell us uh, when something's not right. You know what I mean? It's just an indicator. When you hear that, you have a couple of options. You can smash it. You can cover your ears. You can listen to it for so long and pretend that it's not there. Or you can get up and check your house. Because there's something in the house that's not right. The smoke detector is not alarming you so that you can just listen to its noise. It wasn't just tired of being quiet and wanting to sing. It was saying, hey, I need you to listen. There's something not right. Don't check the smoke alarm. Check the house. When there is emotional stress in life, many people approach it the wrong way. We either deny it and we suppress it. We willfully suppress it and deny that we have emotional pain or we unconsciously uh, deny it. That's called repression. We suppress it on purpose. We repress it and sometimes don't even know that we're repressing or denying the pain, the emotions that we're encountering and experiencing. And then some people will try to cover it up. They know they're hurting, but they try to cover it up with activities like TV, sports, sleep, pills, alcohol, anything just to numb the noise of the alarm that's going off in our life. 
I've done it. I'm sure that you've done it as well. They cover it up with activities. But listen, covering up the alarm of your emotions just makes you comfortable. It doesn't make you well. Our goal at the Exchange Church is to awaken and develop purpose. We find purpose when we become whole. When we're walking in wellness, physically, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, financially, when, when all of these cylinders are hitting, we start to find purpose naturally. Purpose finds us when we work on being well. So the alarm goes off. And what the smoke detector is to the house, emotions are to the soul. Emotions are the signals that God has given the souls of men to say something's not right. So when you sense anger flaring up, jealousy or envy flaring up, fear flaring up, these are signals that we need to dig a bit deeper to see what's really going on in our world and what's wrong on the inner us that God needs to work out with us. You know, when you go to the doctor and you say, I don't feel good, the doctor's never satisfied with just your report. Hey, dog, I don't feel good. My stomach has been, been in, in knots. It's been cramping. I've had headaches. He's not, he doesn't just take your word for it. He runs some diagnostics. He checks your temperature. He checks your blood pressure. He checks your weight. Um, he uh, will sometimes do a blood sample, a urine sample, all of these things so that he can look under the hood of your car to see what's really going on. Because while your feelings are real, they are not the root cause. Hear me. While your emotions are real, they are not the root cause. The doctor needs to get to the reason why you feel how you feel, not just sit there and sympathize with you. Could you imagine going to pay a $75 copay? It's Scott and White, and you sit down with the white coat doctor, and all he really does is said, I know what you mean. <laughs> My friend had that happen once. Really stinks, doesn't it? The goal is to find out the problem. And so emotions, the cause of emotional strongholds, when the alarm is going off and the anger is welling up, or the bit, whatever the emotion is, right? Whatever the unhealthy emotion is, it's pointing to a real problem. The unhealthy emotion is not the problem. And so when someone has an anger outburst at you, don't get mad at the anger outburst. That's not the problem. Listen, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and start helping you and prepping you for Christmas and Thanksgiving and family time. When your family blows up at you, it's not the blowing up that's the problem. There's a fear under there. There's an insecurity under there. There's a, a bitter root under there. There are deeper issues than the emotion that you see being displayed in front of you. Emotions are designed to let you know something is wrong, but emotions are not the problem that is wrong. So what is the cause of emotional strongholds? I'll tell you, all emotional strongholds that are not rooted in the physical realm, okay? Remember that. All emotional strongholds that are not rooted in the physical 
100% they are rooted in sin. Sin. I know that's really offensive. It's offensive to me too. Just give me a chance to explain it to you and show you in Scripture. Because until we admit the reality of the truth of God's word, we'll never be free. Emotional strongholds. Now, again, I'm not just talking about having a bad day. I'm not talking about healthy emotions, such as grieving the loss of a loved one. That's emotion that should be processed, not repressed or suppressed. I'm not talking about the the emotions that keep you from getting abducted, right? The fear, flight, and freeze. I'm talking about the emotional strongholds that we see circling in our world day in and day out. You are a hostage to anger. You are trapped by fear. You are drowning in depression. Before you react negatively to the fact that I said the root is sin, listen, it's either rooted in your sin or someone's sin against you. If anyone in the room has ever knows the experience of being molested or raped, that wasn't your sin. That was someone's sin against you. But that can bring and open the doorway for emotional strongholds to latch onto your heart, to your soul. Are you with me? Sin was still the root. Then there's this thing I want to give a word to, atmospheric sin, meaning we live in a broken world. We live in a fallen world world. So there are things because of sin and maybe by no choice of your own, they are trying to attach themselves to you day after day after day. That could be the cause of your emotional stronghold. Let let me take you to scripture. I know some of you are like, pastor, you've got 10 minutes left. You've not cracked the Bible once. I'm getting there. Genesis chapter three, turn with me. Genesis chapter three, verse seven We know that in the garden, Adam and Eve was created. Uh, Then they were tempted by Satan. They took of the fruit. And then in verse 7, it says, Then the eyes of both of them, who, Adam and Eve, were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. All right. Can you picture in your mind where we're at in the story? God has made Adam and Eve. They lived in the garden. It was, it was wonderful. It was perfect. There were, there were no emotional strongholds whatsoever. And then sin entered the world. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 7, it says their eyes were opened and they sowed fig leaves because they were ashamed. Let's compare that to just one chapter before, Genesis 2, verse 25. What does it say? It says they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed, right? Before sin, were they ashamed? Good class, good, good. This side needs to work on it a little bit more. Before sin, were they ashamed? After sin, we see in 3 verse 7 that shame enters humanity through what? Sin, okay? Let's keep reading. Verses 8 through 10, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was 
afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. So we witnessed the first instance of shame on planet Earth. Now we're seeing the first instance of fear on planet Earth. Was there fear prior to sin? No. After sin, fear crept in. Then we jump over to Genesis chapter 4, verses 4 through 5. Adam and Eve had a couple boys. They were competitive, Cain and Abel, and they wanted to give an offering. One of them was good. One of them was not so good. We see in verse 4, Abel also brought, bought, brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat, and the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So here we see the first instance after sin of anger on planet Earth. And then it says his countenance fell. Today, we would call that depression. So we see after the fall of man, shame, fear, anger, and depression entered the human race. Why? Because Satan used sin, the influence of sin, in the lives of men. If you don't realize that, you go searching for solutions that aren't going to work. If you, if you don't realize that sin is the root of emotional strongholds, you go trying to change the battery, and it's not the battery's fault. There's a fire somewhere in the house. You keep thinking it's the alarm, and it's not the alarm. You've got to check the spare room. Are you, are you with me? Sin is always the root of emotional strongholds. Emotional strongholds not rooted in physical sickness or tied to sin, your sin, someone else's sin, or a contaminated environment that we live in. Then we go to Genesis chapter 4, 6 and 7. Listen to this. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why are you depressed? Why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Let me read that again. Why are you depressed? Why are you angry? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And its desire, the desire that sin has is for you. Sin desires to trap you. Sin desires to trick you. Sin desires to capture you. Sin desires to enslave you. But you should rule over it. Do you get the point here? Until you master sin, you will never master your emotions. Until you address the sin in your house, Satan will always have a key to your front door. Ooh, that's offensive even to me. I get it. I understand. It's difficult, but it's true. We keep trying to build up our emotions with extraneous things that, that's not the problem. The problem is somehow we, we have shifted off course from what God has done designed us to be. We're missing the mark. We've allowed sin to creep in. We've allowed unbelief 
to sweep in, sneak in. We've allowed the sins of other people against us to be more powerful than the blood of Jesus for us. The cause of emotional stronghold is always sin. Can I get an amen from online? Online, if you're watching, can you just type in amen so I know that you're with me? Uh, the crowd here has been a little quiet, so if you could just give me an amen. I want to talk to you next about the categories of spiritual strongholds. This will help you identify potentially some things. There are three categories of spiritual strongholds I think we should be aware of. Uh, one is the stronghold that is rooted in the past. Satan makes a tape of your negative experience and he plays it over and over and over and over and over. It becomes the groove that your mind drives on. Right? I mean, you could have a bazillion great interactions with that loved one, but you're going to play that one negative one over and over and over. Off topic, don't you hate that hindsight is twenty twenty? Is there anyone else in the room that says, I should have said that? Why can't I just take that with me when I need to say it the first time? But these things are played over and over and over in our mind in the past, the pain of the past. And pretty soon I'll find people who have similar pain of the past. And I'll talk about my pain and see how it compares to their pain because misery loves company. And the little grooves that I've made in my mind, I upgrade tires to big old SUV tires and then military-grade tires. And the grooves get bigger and bigger and bigger. Before long, I don't even realize that I'm driving in a groove. It just looks like the landscape of my life. Rooted in the past. You know, in the Bible, if you read about Joseph, he encountered this. If, if anyone had reason to have trauma from the past. Joseph did. Think of what all his brothers did to him. Threw him in a, a pit, talked about killing him, sold him off for slavery. And then God uses him, God raises him up. And we even see a hint when his brothers come back years later, Joseph sneaks away and he weeps bitterly because there's a trigger from his past. Problem not only in the past, what about problems in the present? Circumstances of today. I, I don't know if you have ever encountered a scenario in your life where the hits just keep coming. And you think, oh, the light is about to come. I'm, I'm going to be okay next week. Things should settle down next week. The dust will settle next month. And it never does. And they just keep coming. Anyone? Circumstances just keep piling up. If anyone in Scripture had a reason to be depressed, the Apostle Paul did. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 24 through 28. Let me just give you a snapshot of his life. And if you're not depressed yet, you will be soon. Listen. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. And he wasn't talking about recre recreationally. Three times, Vance, you outed yourself. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. Thank you, Vance. You're the only one listening to my sermon today. 
Once the Apostle Paul was stoned, three times shipwrecked, a night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Besides other things, what comes upon me daily my deep concern for the churches. With all the things that the Apostle Paul had to wrestle with and deal with, he's still concerned about the things that God is concerned with. He had a reason to be depressed, yet he pressed on towards the mark of the calling that Christ had for him. And then there's fear of the future. Man, this one gets me. I will create in my own mind an entire scenario that will never play out. And I'm never the hero. I'm always the victim. Anyone, anyone with me? Fear of the future, scared about tomorrow. Am I going to have enough money to pay rent? Am I going to have enough money to send my kids to college? Or is this going to work out? Am I going to get laid off because of COVID? Am I going to get sick because of COVID? All of these what ifs that we have created emotional strongholds and we're afraid of something that may never actually even happen. Even though you know Matthew 6.34 says, don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will take care of itself. You are still held hostage by what ifs. And God help us if we are held hostage by all three. The past, the present, and the future. All right, pastor, what's the solution? I'm glad you asked. There's no point in defining the chaos of our life if I can't bring some order to it. What's the solution, you ask? I'm tired of it. I'm tired of the race. I'm tired of trying to fix it myself. I'll tell you what the solution is, and it's quite simple. But first, let me tell you what the solution is not. The solution is not you trying to deny that the stronghold exists. You don't deny that you have a stronghold and it goes away. Denial makes it stronger. Anyone ever, I mean, if you're like me, denial is kind of, not just a river in Egypt, it's kind of your friend. It's a coping mechanism. It, it's easy to deny that things are as bad as they are. You know, somebody says, Trey, you're, you're depressed. No, I'm not. No, I, you're depressed. No, I'm not. No, you're, you're depressed. No, I'm not depressed, but now I'm angry. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they try to tell you tell you what you are. You can't deny the stronghold that doesn't make it go away. There is a difference, and I don't have time to go into this, but there is a difference between speaking life and faith and denial. And, and we would do well to know the difference, right? If I have a migraine, denial says, I don't have a migraine, I'm fine. And so I start driving, then I pass out while on I-35, that's dumb. 
I, I don't deny that I have the issue. That's not faith. You know, I, I know a lot of loved ones and people in my, my world and my stream that, man, you are, if you're ever honest with them, they, they say you don't have enough faith. Don't let that be our story. Don't let us cover up the truth and hide the truth because we don't want people to think we don't have enough faith. Denying the issue isn't faith. Faith says, hey, I've got a massive migraine, but my God is able to bring healing to me. So in addition to denying it, the other thing, you don't overcome your stronghold by overriding the stronghold. In other words, you don't try to create something more powerful than the stronghold that you currently have. I I get that it can distract us, but it doesn't deal with the stronghold. Some people get depressed and they watch Netflix for hours. Anyone want to admit? That's me. That's me. I'll do that. Fellow fours unite. Some of us, uh, some people get depressed and they eat. Coincidentally, that's also me. (laughs) Some people get depressed and they shop. That's also me. And some people get depressed and they sleep, which is probably my strongest one. (laughs) I just used examples from my own life. I don't know what you deal with, but that's what I do. Oh, I I don't want to face reality. Let me get some more ice cream. I don't want to face reality. Let me see if there's something on Amazon. Oh, if I I could just get those lights that hang around my neck so that I can read after dusk my life will feel fulfilled. You know, I've done it. I've done it. I've done it. I've gone to sleep. In fact, sleep is, is one of the number one things. My wife comes to me and says, Trey, you're sleeping a lot. Are you okay? And she checks in with my heart when she notices that I'm sleeping because I, I will drown out the pain or the discomfort with sleep. Now, sometimes I'm just really tired. Like today, honey, I may take a nap. I'm, sometimes I'm legitimately tired, but some of us will try to override the strongholds that we're feeling by replacing it with all of these other things. And you also, by the way, don't overcome strongholds by obeying what they tell you to do. I just feel like cussing somebody out today. I just feel like hitting somebody today, right? The anger's welling up and it's telling you to do this. You don't overcome the stronghold by doing what it's telling you to do. In fact, when you do what it's telling you to do, you're feeding it. You're giving it more power over your life. And listen, the stronghold never just gives a, takes a corner of the room that you've assigned to it. Once it takes up that corner of the room, it begins to set its belongings outside of the line and then steps into new territory in your life. And before you know it, it's got your whole house with all of its junk in the way. You don't overcome strongholds by avoiding triggers. Some of us will try to not put ourselves in a situation because we just don't want, you know, if I don't see my family, I won't have anger issues. If I don't talk to my kids or have hard conversations with them, I won't go off on them. That's not the solution. The solution is to bring a healthy you to the table, every table where there's any seat for you to sit. 
Let me leave you with this. I know I'm over time, but I'm almost done. And I think this is important that you understand emotions don't have intellect. Emotions are dumb. They have to borrow thoughts because they have no thoughts of their own. Emotions are the product of your current thought life. They can't make their own. They have to borrow what you're thinking and the emotions flow out of what you're thinking. Therefore, whatever controls your thoughts controls your emotions. And this is great news because you and I have the perfect handbook for how to renew our mind, how to train our thoughts. You see, if God is controlling your thoughts, then you will feel how God wants you to feel because emotions piggyback on thoughts. If you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Some of us are held hostage because we don't know the truth. This is, my friends, the solution. This is the solution to every emotional stronghold you will ever experience. The solution was, is, and always will be Jesus, who is the truth. And when you know the truth, you will be set free. Free indeed. Stop believing the lies. The enemy is whispering to you about circumstances, about what people are thinking or what their motives are or how the future is going to be or how the past has devastated you. Stop listening to the lies. There is no truth in him. And when we shift our focus to Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter and the finisher of our faith, then the emotional strongholds let go. How many of you today would say, Pastor, there's an emotional stronghold that I just need to be released from? Yeah, several. Good, good, good. Will you stand to your feet? Those that raised your hand, will you just wave at me? You can go and stop, Chad. Those that raised your hand for, make sure I'm, I'm communicating. The emotional stronghold, will you raise your hand at me? Okay. I've asked the music to stop because I want to re remove emotion from this interaction. Okay? Because good emotion doesn't fix bad emotion. The power of the cross changes emotional strongholds. So I don't want to manipulate you today with music to get you to feel better for the next five minutes. I'm going to allow in this moment the power of the Holy Spirit to bring transformation to your heart. So if that was you, there's so many in the room. This is definitely a word for today, for right now, for those who are here. Place your hand over your heart. Father, we stand before you. Some of us stand naked and afraid. Some of us stand before you with anger, so much anger that we can't release it. God, there are others in the room with shame, 
that has been driving the course of our life. So God, right now in the name of Jesus, your word has gone forward, God, and we, we believe that your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. God, that it has the power right now by the power of the Holy Ghost to bring transformation to our heart. So we say to these emotional, the emotional baggage that we've held on to, the emotional stronghold that we've tolerated, we say that we see you. We now see you for who you are and what you're doing. And we say that you have no authority over our life. Father, we ask that you would give us the courage in this moment to surrender, to surrender, to stop making plans for our wellness, stop making plans for our healing, stop finding a way of escape and just surrender to this moment. Because you love us so much. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. I'm believing that you're going to see a shift in the next several days. Amen. God loves you so much and he wants to bring complete healing to you.